0: Hey, welcome home, everybody. You're watching Legacy Television. I'm Jeremy Pearsons. We're glad to have you with us today here in the house of faith. I want to take you right back into Bible school. I know many of you watching this, I wish I could have gone to Bible school. Well, today you can. Karis Bible College, Woodland Park, Colorado at the headquarters of Andrew Womack Ministries. Uh, Brother Andrew had invited Sarah and I to come minister to the student body there at Karis Bible College. And we've done this before and we love this opportunity because these students are so excited about the things of God, so excited when it comes to the Word of God. And you can really sense that in these broadcasts. And we spent some time talking to them about standing at the crossroads of life and what to do when you're in the intersections, deciding which way you're going to go. And I'm so thankful that that's where God put His wisdom. And the Spirit of wisdom cries out there in those intersections, crying out, Turn here. Why would God want us to turn in these places? It's because His path is the path of abundance. And He wants to lead us to our wealthy place where we prosper spirit, soul, and body. And this is really what we spent our time talking about from the Word of God, about how how to live your life and never miss one of these turns. You don't want to live life and look back one day and go, man, did I miss a turn somewhere? How did I end up here? If you and I will tune our ears to the voice of the wisdom of God, turn when God says turn, turn at every leading of the Spirit, we will end up in our wealthy place. So let's go right now to Karis Bible College for part two of Don't Miss Your Turn. Let me give you another reason I believe people miss their turn. Moving too quick. You ever been flying at 70 miles an hour and Siri says, turn right, right here, right now, 90 degrees. Man, if you are going that fast and you got to make a turn like that, you just can blow right past it. I believe one of the big reasons people are missing their turn in the spirit, in their life, in their walk with God is they get to moving too quickly. Jesus demonstrated this when he was with his disciples and word got back to him and said, Lazarus, the one whom you love is sick. You know what Jesus did as soon as he heard that? Nothing. For two days. Stayed right where he was. Even those disciples were like, are we going? He's sick. We better go. Jesus sat right where he was for two days. Now we could talk all about this story, but I believe one of the points that you and I can draw out of this is that sickness doesn't tell Jesus where to go. Jesus tells sickness where to go, but it's not the other way around. He's not letting sickness or disease dictate to him where he goes and what he does. I don't do anything. He said until I see my father do it. And do you realize it was his patience just slowing down, slowing down on the inside. Because again, there's flesh involved here. There's soul involved. What's your response when somebody you love is in a bad situation. Somebody you love is sick, Man, that That fight or flight thing kicks in. That panic mode kicks in. We got to go. We got to go. We got to go. Do you? What use are you in this situation? Freaked out. What use are you in this situation? Panicked without a clear ear to hear what the wisdom of God would say. Slow down. Slow down. And do you realize it was Jesus' patience in this situation? that resulted in the greatest manifestation of the glory of God in his ministry outside his own resurrection. That's what slowing down did. People miss their turns. Just get to moving too quick. So people miss because of bad directions. People miss because of moving too quickly. There are a number of reasons we could go through. Let me give you this last one before we take a break. miss their turn because they don't like being told how to drive. (laughs) You know, this word on course correction is a really exciting thing until you realize, wait a second, there might actually be some correction involved in this course correction. But wisdom said it. She said, turn at my rebuke. Well, that doesn't sound fun. That doesn't sound nice. That's correction. And wisdom will talk to you all along the way. But if you're flying at 70, 80, 90 miles an hour through life and wisdom knows there's a turn coming, maybe a couple of miles in advance, wisdom would say there's a turn coming. Half mile out, wisdom's going to say there is a turn coming. You get closer to that and wisdom's going to say turn here. That's correction. That's rebuke. But people don't like being told how to drive people don't like being told where to go. But the scripture says to us in the book of Hebrews, whom the Lord loves, he chastens, he corrects, he rebukes. He chastens that one like a father does his son or his daughter. So that says to me that if we're not open to the correction of the Lord, correction, not just coming from him in your own quiet time, that's a good thing. But are you open to correction? from a minister? Are you open to correction from an elder, from a leader? I just get it all from Jesus. Really? Really? That's, that's convenient. I would say this to you. If all you ever hear from God is exactly what you want to hear or expect to hear, you're not listening. Because there is correction. We all need it. And whom the Lord loves, he corrects. So if you're not open to this correction, be it from him, be it from the fivefold ministry, from elders, leaders, teachers, if you're not open to that correction, then there is a facet of the love of God that you are not experiencing. And there's a facet of your relationship with him as your father that you are not experiencing. All because of a hard heart, unwilling to receive correction. People miss turns because They get bad directions because they're moving too quick because they don't like being told how to drive. There's a number of these reasons. We're going to spend some time on a big one in our next session, but I am so determined in my life for my family and my ministry. I'm not missing this turn. I am more tuned into the voice of the wisdom of God than I ever have been in my life. And you better believe we shut some stuff down. We've shut some television down. We've, we've shut some entertainment down all in an effort to tune that junk out and this stuff in. I don't want you missing your turn. Anybody else with me? You don't want to miss a turn. The same spirit of God that led you here will lead you out of this place. And if you'll listen, when the wisdom says, turn, turn, turn you'll end up in a wealthy place. Praise the Lord. Do I need to let you go right now? What do we have? I have seven minutes. (sighs) Okay. (laughs) Seven minutes. I had the wrong time in my head. Are you getting anything out of this so far? Thank you, Lord. Wisdom is crying out. Why don't we just say it out loud right now? Father, in Jesus' name, I open my heart heart. to your voice, voice. to your spirit, spirit. to your wisdom. Speak to me. I will listen. I will will obey. I will will tune in your voice. voice. And I'll tune tune out every other voice. The voice of a stranger. I will not follow in Jesus name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Father, we worship you. We praise you. We magnify you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We're talking this morning about why people miss these turns as they stand there in these intersections. Again, the Amplified Bible says it like this, that wisdom Cries aloud in the street, raises her voice in the market. She cries at the head of the noisy intersections. What not you notice how many of these, these locations have to do with just being out there in the road? Intersections, streets, crossroads, where paths meet. The scripture, especially the book of Proverbs and a lot of the book of Psalms, has much to say about the path. The path of the just. The path of righteousness. Psalms talks about the path that seems right. Excuse me, I believe it's Proverbs. The path that seems right to a man, but the end thereof is death. There's a way that seems right. There's a path that looks on the surface like the right path to take. What would make that look like the right path? Well, that's the path daddy took. (laughs) That's the path mama went down. That's the path this guy went. and Look at all the money he's got. There's a path that looks right, but if you take the path just based on how it looks, you're gonna end up in the wrong place, at the wrong time, doing the wrong thing with the wrong people. Our kids are in here this morning. You know, one thing we say to them, almost on a daily basis, we end every day putting them to bed and we pray together. And one of the things we say at the end of every prayer, and we say it together, Father, by your help, by your grace, we will be in the right place at the right time, doing the right thing with the right people. And I'm putting this in my children now at, at ages eight and five, I want this in their hearts. I want this ingrained in them. And even though most of their life at this point is spent right here with us, right at our side, you know, we drop them off at school. We're not with them there, but we're there to pick them up. So every other waking moment, they're right there with us. But I'm also well aware that there's a time coming called the teenage years when they're not so right there all the time and what I want them hearing when I'm with them and when I'm not is dad's voice. And I say, guys, ask yourself these questions. If you're ever apart from us, ever away from us, just go through these quick questions. Am I in the right place? Is this the right time? Am I doing the right thing? Are these the right people? And I said, listen, if the question to any of the answer to any of those questions is ever no, come home. Come home. Because being in the right place at the right time, doing the right thing with the right people will save your life. How many people's lives have been cut off or cut short or impacted in a horrible way just because they were in the wrong place? at the wrong time or just because they weren't doing the right thing or just because the people they were with weren't the right people. These things are important. And how much of wisdom's voice is crying out to us in out there in the road, in the street where we're living life. I want you to see this played out very clearly in the book of Mark chapter 10, verse 17. It says, now as he talking about Jesus was going out on the road where was he on the road as jesus was going out on the road mark 10:17 one came running knelt before him and asked him good teacher What shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? So let the word of God paint a picture for you here. Jesus is on his way out of town. He's on the road that leads out of town. And this guy comes running. Come on, get the picture here. He comes running. There's a sense of urgency. There's a sense of desperation in this guy. He comes running, not only just run and find Jesus, he kneels before him, drops to his knees on this dirty road at the the feet of Jesus and begins to ask him this question. He says, good teacher. And you couple this with the other accounts of the gospels. He says, good teacher, what good thing must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus responded to him and it it always puzzled me the way Jesus responded to him. He said, why do you call me good? There's none good but one and that's God. Now I always thought that was an interesting response from Jesus because I'm like, no, Jesus, you're good too. Don't say that. But I believe what Jesus was doing was questioning this young man's definition and concept of what's actually good because listen to the way he came to him. Good teacher. What good thing must I do to inherit eternal life? Now, was Jesus a good teacher? Yeah. But was he a lot more than that? Yeah. And this guy put his good deeds. What good thing do I have to do on the same level as Jesus goodness And they don't belong on the same level. And that's why Jesus said, why are you calling me good? What's your concept of good? But listen even deeper to the question. What good thing do I have to do to inherit eternal life? Now he's after the right thing. And you know, from the rest of this story, he's a rich man. I should say it like this. He's got some stuff, not necessarily a rich man, but he does have some stuff. He's got some financial means, some material means. So he's got some stuff, but yet there's this God shaped hole on the inside. This hole that's empty and he knows what it needs to be filled with. He called it by name. What do I do to inherit eternal life? But since he came to Jesus based on what do I do? Jesus had to respond to him based on what you do. And Jesus talked to him about the commandments. And the guy said, yeah, I know, I know, I know. I've done all that. I've kept all that from my youth. And Jesus looked at him and he loved him. There was compassion that rose up in Jesus and whatever Jesus is about to say to him is coming out of that place of love for him. But if you go back and dig a little deeper, just, just listen to his question. Just pick his question apart. See if you can figure out maybe where he's coming from. I want to say some things and if you feel like I'm taking too much liberty with the scripture, then forgive me, but, but let's just, let's just look into it and see if we can draw some truth out of it. Good teacher, What good thing do I do to inherit eternal life? So we know he's got some stuff. The Bible also calls him the rich young ruler. And he comes to Jesus with this concept of inheritance on his mind. What would that stand to reason? How else does a young man, especially at this time, come into some material wealth? Maybe some inheritance, right? Maybe he has a good understanding of what you can gain just through inheritance. And honestly, that's the right word. Inheritance is the right word when it comes to talking about what God has made available to us through Jesus. It's inheritance. By faith and patience, we inherit the promise. Inheritance is the right word but the question is flawed. He says, what do I have to do to inherit? Inheritance is not something that's supposed to belong to you based on what you do. Inheritance is supposed to belong to you based on who you are. Just being a son, just being a daughter. Inheritance, check this out, is something that belongs to you that somebody else worked for. Are you with me? There are things that belong to us as believers, righteousness, our salvation, our redemption, our healing, our deliverance, our prosperity, our peace, our joy, our abundance. All of these things belong to us, not because we worked for them, but because Jesus did. Because Jesus did. It's something that belongs to us that he worked for. But this guy comes to Jesus with this question, what do I have to do to inherit? I, w- I just wonder if that might be a glimpse in through the window of maybe his relationship with his dad. I mean, how many times have we seen that played out where a father has something to leave to a son or a daughter, but he's not willing to leave it just because of who they are. He ex- He's wanting more. He says, no, if you want this, you'll have to do that and that and that and that. See, I've got, I've got a, a grandfather. I've got a father who believed the word and believed that a good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. I got a grandpa who believes that. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm so thankful that I've got a grandpa that believes that a good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. Anybody else in here got a grandpa like that? Anybody else got a rich grandpa in here? Raise your hand. Oh man, you got to get one. They are awesome. If you don't have one of those, you got to get one. They're amazing. No, listen to me. You got something better than a rich grandfather. You didn't hear me. You've got something better than a rich grandfather. You've got a heavenly father who is so wealthy beyond your wildest imagination and has left everything to you. But it's not based on what you do. It's based on being a son. It's based on being a daughter. It's no wonder that when Jesus heard this, he looked at him and he loved him. That compassion rose up in him and he looked at him and he said, one thing you lack. Wouldn't you love to hear that from Jesus? Just one. That's it. Just one. One thing you lack. Go your way, sell what you have, give to the poor. You'll have treasure in heaven. That's important. Come take up your cross and follow me. That word follow me. Those are the two greatest words that have ever fallen on human ears as they've come out of the mouth of Jesus, follow me. And every man, woman, and child ever since the resurrection of Jesus will hear those words from him. Every one of us will be given the opportunity to follow him. Now there were those in his earthly ministry that heard those words right out of his mouth in the flesh, in the natural. There were those that heard those words, follow me. Now, not everybody did, but there were those that did. Follow me. And this guy is getting that ultra rare invitation from the mouth of Jesus himself. Come, follow me. And if you look these words up, you know what, uh, what they mean? Come, take the road that I'm taking. Join me on the road that I'm on. It's a compound of two words. One of the words means unity. The other word literally means road. You put them together and it means let's be on this road together. I'm inviting you to be on this road. What's happening right here? Whether this guy realizes it or not, he's at an intersection. Quite literally in the road. He's on his knees in the road. Anybody else seeing this? And Jesus says, let's make a turn. I'm going this way. You've been going that way. Let's go this way. But what happened? Jesus extended this invitation to him. You'll have treasure in heaven. Come take up the cross and follow me. Verse 22. But he was sad at this word and he went away sorrowful for he had great possessions. He was sad at the word and he went away Notice how many directional things are taking place here. This guy came running to Jesus on the road. Jesus says, let's take this road. And this guy went away. All this is directional. He didn't join Jesus on this road. He went away down another road. Completely missed his turn.